Well, hello, my friends. Blessing and peace on you in the mighty name of King Jesus. Troy Brewer here coming at you strong, and I'm actually doing two things in one today. One is I'm recording for my podcast, and I'm also doing a podcast broadcast here. So I'd like to speak to both audiences and tell you that uh, the next several minutes is going to include an incredible update of what we're doing all over the world and how we're going after it. I've got some miracle testimonies to give you. And I've also got some tremendous challenges for you and I to pray through. And I'm going to give you a huge prayer directive on um, how you can pray for all the people that we're working with in Ukraine. And then I'm also going to give uh, a report on the work that we're doing in Mexico and then tell you what about the work that we're doing in Uganda that I'm super excited about because uh, this coming Sunday, just a couple of days from right now, I'm actually going to be hopping on a plane right after the services at Open Door Church getting on a plane, going to the nation of Qatar, and we'll be in Qatar, and uh, then that's like a uh, 15-hour flight uh, nonstop from DFW Airport, and then from there, uh, we have like a 16-hour layover, and then we will get on a plane and fly five hours to Uganda, East Africa, where we will have a very warm reception of friends that we've been doing ministry with for over 25 years. Hello, friends. Troy Brewer here from Open Door Church in Burleson, Texas. And uh, I got to just tell you, let me just kind of go back and uh, tell you some things that you're already aware of and then tell you our part in it and tell you what is great, what is good, what is a tremendous challenge and how we want to see miracles within certain areas. Um, On the 24th of February of this year, February the 24th, Uh, The Russian invasion began, and it's very interesting to me that the 24th of February is also the day that Travis wrote the famous letter from the Alamo, and that whole thing of, hey, we have been invaded, and we're asking people to come and help us, and P.S., the Lord is on our side. Okay, that same exact message began to go out on the 24th, 186 years to the day, after Colonel William Barrett Barrett Travis actually wrote those from the adobe walls, from behind the adobe walls of the Alamo in what would become San Antonio, Texas, that same exact cry began to go out from the 40 million people that are suffering the consequences of the selfish invasion of uh, Mr. Putin. And I'm telling you right now, uh, people have been crying, please help us, please help us, please come to our aid with all dispatch just like the Travis letter. Well, we've seen it deteriorate. We've seen what's happened since then. And uh, I know that many of you guys just know because of who we are and that we are crisis kind of ministry, um, knowing that we truly believe that if you're not relevant during a time of crisis, then you're not relevant during a time of peace. And we live that and we believe that here. It's a big part of who we are at Troy Brewer Ministries and Open Door Church and Spark Worldwide and Answer International. And so these are all the families of ministries here at Open Door Church. And so, guys, it's it's true. Um, Within four days of of the event that happened on the 24th and then the series of events that happened on the 24th, 
Within four days of that, we had already sent more than $65,000 in release. Um, I'm sorry, and released it to um, uh, our pastors that are already involved there. I have been to Ukraine um, many times. I've stomped all over the nation of Ukraine. I love Ukraine. It is seriously one of my favorite places in the world to go to. The food is so good. The people are so awesome. The churches there we work with are incredible. The orphanages there that we support are absolutely amazing. Uh, the anti-sex trafficking uh, work that we do there is incredible. And uh, guys, I want to just tell you that on the 24th, not only did all that come to a halt, um, it was completely disrupted in an unbelievable way. And then all of those ministries had to shift. We had to shift from doing the work that we've been committed to doing to now we have to take care of refugees and get them across the border. Now we have to take care of refugees and let them stay in our churches. Now we have to feed them. We have to give them drink. We have to provide gas for people that are getting out of the country. And then we have to bring in teams into Romania and also into Poland and grab a hold of those people and get them into sponsoring houses that are sponsoring uh, those people and saying, hey, we may or may not speak your language. Uh, we don't know, but look, we want to help you. We have a place in our house for you to stay. Um, others, uh, we're literally buying tickets for, hey, we're putting you on a plane. Oh, you know somebody in Norway? Okay, off you go. I'm sending you off to Rikovich. You go. There you go. Oh, okay, you're Jewish and you want to make Aliyat? Okay, we're sending you to Tel Aviv. Boom, there you go. Uh, oh, okay, you know somebody in England? Well, we'll send you to England. Here's a ticket to Heathrow. Let's go. And so we've been able to buy hundreds and hundreds of plane tickets, and we have literally sponsored, um, and we have been taking care of thousands and thousands, way more than 10,000 people. There on the other side of the border, um, our friends that are there that are leadership uh, and, and pastoral uh, kind of leaders, they're like, look, this is what God has called us to do. This is who God has called us to be, and uh, we just can't leave. Whenever they make those kinds of uh, stances, there are some kind of challenges that come with it that are really peculiar to this one particular time. One of them is, uh, as in any time of warfare, um, they're having to take care of all the people who are staying in their churches that can't stay in their old Soviet block apartment complexes because the enemy is just, you know, indiscriminately bombing civilian uh, objects now. And they actually were um, it, going into the first day. They actually were. And I don't know if you remember, um, there was that MIG that shot off um, a rocket into an apartment complex. And everybody's like, that's CG. They're not actually doing that. No, you don't know the darkness the darkness of uh, Putin's demoniacs that he's sending into this place. Um, it didn't surprise me one single bit. And in fact, we expected, we expected to see a whole lot more of it. Having been to Russia and having worked um, all over the world and, deal, and dealing with socialist governments, no, I know what they're capable of doing. And we're like, okay, you got to get these people out of these places. And they're like, yeah, well, you don't got to tell us twice if you'll give us another place. So, Churches that should hold, you know, three and four hundred people begin to find themselves sleeping thousands. And those people, um, we had to find cots. We had to feed them. Um, we had to feed them several times a day. We have to take care of their kids. Uh, they are totally distraught over, is their mother alive? Is their brother alive? Is this person alive? Or is that person dead? Or how is all that? 
And so these, all of these pastors are making, having to make terrible choices on, do we move people? Do we tell them to stay? What's going to happen on the road? Um, are we going to come across a group of Russians? Are we, um, is there actually going to be a humanitarian quarter? You know, the joke is that Putin said, okay, I'm going to allow you guys a humanitarian quarter. People can take this road into Russia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's jump out of the pot and into the fire. You know, let's let's do that. No, that's not a good idea. Other choices that they're having to make is when these pastors are choosing to lead their flocks and to help people, um, people from the Ukrainian government are showing up and saying, here's a gun, lead this church and come and fight. Okay, they have to make a decision on the spot. Is that what they need to do or is it not what they need to do? And in some places, they're absolutely compelled without choice to leave, to pick up a gun and to go. Another issue is that when the Russians are coming to our churches and when they see an able-bodied Ukrainian man or men that are in that place, they automatically assume that since they are of age, that they are indeed um, soldiers. And they might say, listen, no, we're just Christians and we're not actually fighting you guys. We're just trying to take care of all the people that you guys are murdering. That means nothing to them. And then those people could disappear. Those people could go to prison. Those people could be locked up. Who knows what's going to happen to them? So in the midst of everything that we've been dealing with, um, we've been dealing with that in a way like what? Okay, we got to pray that all of our friends have next level, next level wisdom that they know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, that they know when to move and when to stay, when to open their mouth, when to close it, what to be actively engaged in and what not to be. Another tremendous challenge that we're facing is that our friends in Melitopov, which is the main hub of ministry for us and for Troy Brewer Ministries, which is in the southern part of Ukraine, all of that is completely under Russian control now and has been since the third day, since, since the third day. Um, they've been completely under Russian control. And uh, there was two days that there was no electricity, there was no water, there was no Wi-Fi, and then all of a sudden it inexplicably turned back on. Um, we're grateful for that. We were able to actually plunder our own line of restaurants over there. Um, pastor Dima is not only a pastor of this church, but he's also a businessman, and he owns a ton of restaurants. Well, when all the grocery stores went out of food and all these thousands of people showed up at his churches— He's like, you know what? I have food, and I have food in all of my restaurants. And he went and plundered his own businesses in order to give that food away. Um, I'm so proud to support him and, and so happy and blessed to support him. We were able to give him $20,000 before the banks closed down there. And the banks did not close down until the fifth and the sixth day of the invasion. And we were actually able to move that money, and he was actually able to get it. So I want to say a great big thank you to everybody who's been supporting this and just say, guys, it's making a tremendous difference. And if you would like to give specifically towards this, you can call us at 877-413-0888. Again, 877-413-0888. Or um, you can go to troybrewer.com. And once you go to the partnering place on troybrewer.com, just look for the special tab that simply says Ukraine. And there you go. Okay, listen, we're going to go into a mid-break here for just a second. And all my friends that are listening on the radio, I'm going to go off into a mid-break. For my friends that are, on a that are on the podcast, I'm just going to continue to keep this. Whichever platform you're listening from, I'm grateful that you're hanging in there with me. Okay, so everybody, I want to just say, uh, yeah, I've been talking about Ukraine. It's a special update, a special podcast and a podcast broadcast 
on experiencing real life, and all my folks that are listening all over the world, and tell you this: that if you have not uh, picked up our app, uh, you need to get our app. Yeah, you need to you need to download our app. And if you have not yet picked up our podcast, uh, just look for Experiencing Real Life or look for Troy Brewer anywhere where uh, you can get your podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, all those kinds of places. Okay, friends, uh, we've been given a very special update on the Ukrainian mess and all that we're a part of over there. I've got a lot more to tell you about concerning this front and several others. Here's one that I got to tell you about. This coming Sunday, Leanna and I are going to be, well, I'm hosting all three services and, and preaching uh, behind the pulpit at Open Door Church on Sunday. And then right after the third service, um, we're going to head to DFW Airport and we're getting on a plane and we're going to Uganda, East Africa. Now, we're not just going to East Africa. We're also going to Guitar, and we're going to be there for a little while. And then we're going to Uganda. And again, Leanna and I have been doing work there for uh, well over two decades. And this will be like Leanna's 43rd or 44th time um, in Uganda. Um, it'll be probably, uh, I'd say, my 12th or 15th or 16th time or something like that. But uh, maybe maybe some more times than that. Maybe maybe the twentieth time. But I'm just saying that to say that we have family there, and um, a lot of our kids that are there are actually our kids. They just happen to be East African kids. Um, but I mean, we've had them since they were little bitty, and they call me Papa Troy, and they call Leanna Jaja. Now Jaja is East African for oh for grandmom or something like that, right? And even my biological grandkids call Leanna Jaja. That's what they call her. And it's neat because we don't know any other Jajas. And so like here on this side of the world, we know a lot of them over there, but uh, but uh, we don't know them here. And so we're going to be doing some uh, baby rescues. And um, I, need, I need to tell you how that works. Uh, we're going to be visiting all of our schools. We're going to be visiting all of our homes. We're going to be visiting all of our medical clinics. And then uh, we're going to meet His Majesty King Oyo. And uh, he is the king of Toro, and then his mother, Queen Best, and we're going to be meeting them, and they're going to be coming to our baby rescue missions and also to seeing all of our what we call forever homes. Um, if I told you what the word orphanage is, you would know what that is, but for us, we have a huge piece of land that has a whole bunch of individual houses on it that has eight kids a piece in each house, and that is their forever home. The Jaja that we hire to move there um, and take care of these kids, and then we support her for the rest of her life, typically a widow lady, sometimes an actual couple, um, that becomes their Jaja, and that becomes their house. And even when they go to college, they still have a house to come back to. So it's actually their forever home. Those houses are so nice. Those houses are a much nicer house than what Leanna and I lived in for decades. Uh, I, would, I would live in any one of those houses, and I would love and would not be afraid at all and would be super proud if any of my kids or my grandkids lived in any of those houses. Those houses are just absolutely incredible, and they're so beautiful, y'all. And where they're at um, is near this place that's called Fort Portal, Uganda, and from Port, from Fort Portal, you can actually see the Rawanzori Mountains, and the Rawanzori Mountains mean the mountains of the moon. And uh, going across the mountains on the other side is Congo, and then south of that is Rwanda. And um, guys, it's just one of the most beautiful places on the planet Earth. Um, the first time that I preached there, 
I was in my twenties and uh, we preached in an open field uh, to more than 30,000 people. And uh, my friends had set it all up. And uh, we also went into the Rawanzori Mountains and did ministry to the very evasive and um, just mysterious pygmy tribes. And we did a bunch of ministry with those guys. Uh, actually got in trouble with the government. So government say, well, you're not allowed to talk to those people. Or, oh, rain on you. <laughs> we're going to feed them. We're going to bless them. If they want to wear clothes, we're going to clothe them and we're going to love them. Uh, the Ugandans actually do not like the pygmies. They're like, okay, look, they do not represent us. We don't act like that. Like, I know, I know, I know. It's just very interesting how cultures of the world actually interact with each other and the importance of understanding that our culture should always be a kingdom culture. No matter what culture we come from, no matter what culture we're involved in, um, a big, huge policy that we have in a core value in dealing um, with all of our kids in, you know, Uganda or Rwanda or Kenya or um, uh, Sierra Leone. We also have kids in Nepal. We have kids all over India. Uh, we have kids in Israel. We have kids on this side of the world in places like, oh, I don't know, Belize. We have them in Mexico, Nicaragua, um, Brazil, uh, Colombia. And then we also have kids in Cambodia and Taiwan. Um, in working with all these kids all over the world, and is we just have to have this core value of we're not here to Americanize anybody. I will not apologize for America. I love America. I think it's the greatest country ever that has ever been in the history of all nations. Um, as flawed as we are, I love our nation. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a left wing uh, liberal that thinks I need to go around the world and apologize. No, no, no. I love it. But my job is not just to represent America. I'm representing Jesus. And my responsibility is also too to realize I'm not actually an American on my way to heaven. I'm actually a resident of heaven that's going through Texas. That's what I am. And so we, we love uh, the diversity of of other cultures and other languages and other races. And we think everybody has something so valuable to offer. And I, it, you know, one of the things that's taught is whenever you recognize that, it means that you have to put yourself down. And no, you do not. That is not the kingdom. I'm very happy and very comfortable living in my own skin. I love my Texas heritage. I'm a sixth generation Texan. I love my American heritage. I'm a 16th generation American. 16 generations of uh, the brewers have been here with me. And I have grandkids, of course, that are 18th generation Americans. And so I'm very proud of that. And I love that very much. But guys, I just don't feel like it's my job to Americanize anybody. Um, my job is to bring the kingdom, to support the people who are there, to find out what their vision is, how are they connected to the Lord, and how are they making their part of the world look much more like heaven than it looks like hell. And guys, we're doing that. And so yeah, so Leanna and I will be running around all over Uganda, and that's this coming Sunday. And here's what I'd like to ask you to do. I'd like to ask for you to please pray for us. Please pray for us that we remain healthy. Pray for us, uh, pray a Psalms 91, hedge of protection around us. And then pray for all the connections that we're going to be making and uh, the the people that we are uh, meeting for the very first time that, that we've rescued and the people that we're seeing for the first time in two years that we have seen every year, four and five times a year. Um, gosh, guys, I tell you, I've been missing my kids so much, and it's going to be so amazing. It's also going to be such a privilege to meet somebody like Olivia. Um, Olivia 
is this beautiful, beautiful Ugandan girl that we came across. And when I say we, I mean, I got a call from a pastor who is a friend of mine in Uganda and said, he said, Troy, I came across the worst thing I've ever seen before. And I thought I would call you and tell you about it. And I'm like, okay, tell me. And this guy's name is Isa. I said, tell me, Isa. He said that he went through his little town. He lives in a place called Jinja. And right outside of Jinja, which is going towards Kenya from Kampala, he said, um, there was this little hotel right on the outskirts of town, this little, you know, Ugandan hotel. And he said that there was a guy that was standing out on the street, um, this little red dirt road and ringing a bell like the Salvation Army guys. And there was a group of, there was a line of guys outside of this hotel room. And he, so he stopped and said, what's going on? And he said, well, there is a beautiful 18-year-old girl in there and you can pay anything you want and you can go in and be sexual with her. And I'm putting all that extremely nice. He said that he looked in the room and the room was filled full of men and full of boys. And he called me and he said, this woman will die if we do not save her. And I said, go down and offer big time money to that guy and just get her. Just get her out of that situation. Buy her and move her and we'll figure out what to do with her. He said, okay. He called me back and this guy uh, and how he interacted with this was not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Instead of him just saying, hey, I, I've got a couple of hundred dollars and I want to buy this. He said, my American friend wants to buy her. And so he charged me 5,000 bucks. And Issa told me, I don't have 5,000 bucks. And so I began to call everybody. And Jinja is a long ways from Kampala. It's several hours, a several hour drive. And I had some friends drive from Kampala, went out and gave that man the money. And we bought this human being and she was 18 years old. Everybody thought that she was mentally disabled. Um, we got her and we rescued her and uh, she had to spend some time in the hospital and she had to have some special procedures done. And we got all those things done. We got all that funded, moved her all the way across the nation from there. She also has a baby that's about a year and a half uh, old, a little bitty guy who was in the room, living in the room with her while all these this horror was taking place. And um, we got her a house. We put her on one of our properties and had people taking care of her. After about six months, it became very evident. There's nothing wrong with this girl mentally, nothing. She's smart and she has a lot to offer. She's just been so traumatized and she's been a slave her entire life. So we spent another year working with her, getting her healthy, uh, building her up as, as a young woman. Um, our ladies teams over there, which are all Ugandan girls, began to bring her to absolutely everything. And then we asked her what her dream was and she wanted to go to cosmetology school. We sent her to cosmetology school. She got her license and we built her a salon. Okay, that happened two years ago and I've never met her face to face. I've spoken to her several times on the phone, but I've never actually seen her face to face. Guys, it's gonna be so good. So friends, be in prayer for me because I'm going across the world and one of the amazing encounters I'm gonna have is with Sister Olivia. Friends, I'm gonna let you go and this is all the time that I have. I'm gonna turn this over to my friends Guys, and I thank you for praying for me. And until the next time I see you, I call you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, and highly favored of the Lord. Bye-bye, everybody.